Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Take Flight Podcast, episode number 73. Now, this episode is a very special one, and I know we say this pretty much every episode, but this one, it's with our first ever interview, the beginning of a new series, which we will call Take Flight Talks, where we interview thought leaders sharing with us their expertise and views on how we can all take flight. Now, today's very special guest is Simon Brown, who is a man of many talents and inspiration for many. Simon is a commercially-minded leader with experience across a range of the world's leading organizations. He is currently the Chief Learning Officer at Novartis, one of the largest pharma companies in the globe, and author of an Amazon number one bestseller titled The Curious Advantage, with a podcast of his own under the same name. So do make sure to check it out too after this episode. Today, Simon will help us understand why curiosity is fundamental for us to thrive and ultimately a tool to help us take flight. Now, before we start the music, just a very quick thank you to all our listeners. As mentioned in a recent episode, we found out we are in the top 5% of podcasts in the globe. So thank you for your continuous support. If you like the episode and haven't done so already, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with someone who you think may find it useful. We wouldn't be here without you today. One last surprise before the music hits, we actually have a giveaway competition, which we will be announcing right at the end of the episode. So make sure you listen to the end of this fantastic episode with Simon. And with that, let's put the music on. So, Simon, Welcome to Take Flight Podcast. We are all super, super excited to have you on. I did an intro at the beginning, um, but it's very difficult to summarize your amazing uh, career and journey in so few words. So how would you describe your journey in your own words? Thank you, sure. And it's, it's an honor to be your first interview guest. So uh, thank you for inviting me to be on nice, the thanks. podcast. <laughs> uh, so my my journey is probably a bit unconventional um, in that uh, it's taken quite a few twists and turns along the way. So uh, I started off probably down a traditional route as an accountant after leaving leaving university um, or actually as an auditor on leaving university fairly quickly found that wasn't the way that I expected or I saw my career going. Um, Got interested in using technology for learning and switched out of accountancy into uh, consulting around using technology for training. Then after a couple of years of doing that, left to set up my own business, figuring with a a colleague that I worked with that we could actually do it better than some of the suppliers that we were working with. So I went from then large organization to two of us sat in the corner of the room, sort of not really knowing what we were doing with uh, sort of one client and uh, very, very different. Did that for a few years, then went to Accenture, which was again sort of large organization. And then uh, through a couple of other organizations, ended up now in Switzerland, um, working within Novartis. Uh, so quite a varied small company, startup, large company, consulting, in-house, uh, quite a few twists and turns along the way. But now 20 years of sort of learning being the, the theme that's carried me through. Perfect. And on that on that um, thread, Simon, of, of, of learning and, and uh, curiosity, I think we mentioned already up front that you've recently released a book, right? And then a podcast. Yes, absolutely. So um, 
last year we released it, but it's probably the year before that started to uh, to write it. So in the space of a couple of weeks, um, two people independently said, oh, you should write a book about the, the work you're doing at the moment. And I never really thought about that. Uh, I think the worst mark I got at school was in, in English. So uh, well, actually, I'm not sure I'm the best person to actually be writing a book. Um, but I teamed up with, with Paul and Garrick, my co-authors, and we spent a year uh, writing about it. It evolved from the first idea into being a sort of exploration of curiosity. Uh, and all things curious and how you can be more more curious and then we released it um last year may time um and uh, yeah it seems to have gone down very well with people and uh, we also set up a podcast that goes with it where we've got to talk to some fascinating people about all things curious so it's been been a great journey nice nice simon why don't we start with um what does curiosity actually mean to you and why is it important why that topic yeah, so um, I mean, we talk about it in the book. The definition we use is how curiosity is having an attitude of wonder with a spirit of exploration. So an attitude of wonder because you're constantly sort of wondering and wanting to know more, but wondering isn't enough. You need to put it into action, which is the spirit of exploration. Actually, I need to go and try something. I need to go and discover more or I need to, to, to test something out and experiment. Um, so really all about wanting to explore more of the world around us, maybe on the specific theme that you're interested in, and then coming up with your own ideas and really exploring and testing it out and, and breaking new boundaries. Nice. And in the book, I think you discuss something around, which I found really interesting, the seven C's That's of right. curiosity. <laughs> yes. So why yes. don't you talk about that sort of model and what it means to you? Yeah, so as we were going through the research, we sort of started to, to bucket things together of the different aspects around curiosity. And um, I re remember a, a phone call with Paul and Garrick where I was dri driving back from a meeting in the car and we were chatting it through and they're like, oh, we've got these five buckets that seem to start with the letter C. And it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's interesting. And so I've just been talking to someone and they've been talking about how curiosity builds confidence and that begins with a C as well. So we got into, uh, actually, if we've got six Cs, then uh, there's something about the seven Cs and sailing the seven Cs and discovery and exploration that made it a, a very nice linkage. So we ended up with the seven Cs model. Uh, and what the model is, is, is really a way you can be more curious. So put some structure around your, your curiosity. So starting with context. So actually understanding the context that we're in, the world around us and, and what we're curious about. Then community, because you, you can't really be curious just by yourself. You need, there's lots of people you can learn from, experts, guides, people who can challenge you, help you along the way. All of that gets you lots of information. So you then need to curate that down. So going from the sort of broad down to the thing that's going to be most useful for where you're actually curious. Then you bring your own creativity. So what are your own ideas? What are the questions you want to ask? The things that's different about how you look at it. And then you put that, that, those, that creativity, those questions into action through construction. Actually try it out, experiment, learn by doing, actually see if it works. Then we get criticality. So when you do it, you get some results. What biases did we bring? Are we just seeing what we what we want to see in the results or uh, it, it, what, what can we actually learn from it? And then all of that building confidence uh, and confidence being both the, the final step that going through that builds your confidence. Mm -hmm. Even if what you try out doesn't work, we can learn from the failure of it or, or learn how we do it differently. But that builds your confidence. And that goes back to the beginning, because if you're more confident, you can then be more curious and uh, you get into a, a virtuous circle um, that's uh, yeah lets you be more and more curious as you go. Simon, you mentioned a few things there, and thank you for kind of expanding on those seven Cs. And you touched on a few points there, which kind of leads on to my next question. 
how as individuals can you, we be more curious or what would you suggest we as individuals whether young old children how can we be more curious of course a child is very curious from an early age they yeah. want to touch everything do everything but yeah. as we past as we go past those you know those child years and through our teenage years into young adult years and adult years how can we be more curious and keep being curious so I think when you're four years old is when you're at your most curious and then it starts to go downhill from there. Oh, well, um, well, well. I think that's what the research <laughs> tells us. Yeah, exactly. Um, the good news is, though, that uh, while we are all born curious and, and then actually certainly as a parent, I find myself that sometimes you, you're drumming it out of your kids. So, you know, stop, stop asking why and you know, don't touch this, don't do that. Uh, some of it for safety, but some of it because when you've had why, why, why after so many times you <laughs> haven't got the energy left to, to keep answering um, but as much as we would like to so so sort of some of that drums it out of our children but I think we can then build it back as a skill um later on and you can teach yourself to to then become more curious and that's where where the the framework sort of comes in of the seven c's but I think it starts with with figuring out what you're curious about as well um because often asked, you know, if I'm uh, on the internet, I'm being curious and I'm you know, randomly following links and watching videos and whatever, surely that's curiosity. It's like, well, it's not really structured. You're not really working towards something. You're just going wherever uh, wherever your spirit takes you, which actually is more, we talk about curiosity as being more structured with, with a goal in mind. So I'm curious about this. And then I, I, I then it may be searching and researching, but at least there's a goal in mind of I, I want to be curious about this particular thing and uh, thanks Simon um and what something you mentioned earlier in your intros about you had a keen interest or a desire to want to know more about learning through technology yes and my question maybe it's it, I kind of see curiosity and learning interlinked or yes. maybe, maybe they're not I don't know maybe what your thoughts are and I just wanted to ask what for you keeps you wanting to learn something new and after that what is something now that you are trying to learn, whether it be a skill or anything it may be? What is the one thing you're actively looking or trying to learn at the moment? Yeah, so I think uh, you're right. They're, they're very closely linked. And I think curiosity is, is probably bigger than learning, um, that it, or bigger than how we often talk about learning, because we, we often think about learning in terms of courses and things like that. But actually, you know, curiosity is much more structured. It might be trying things out. It might be chatting to someone. It might be um, yeah, experimenting and trying things, asking questions. So it's, it's bigger than, than certainly how we often think about learning. Um, I think I found myself being curious over many years and I think my career sort of shows a bit of that of, of being curious about trying something new and, and experimenting and, and taking some risks along the way. Um, I think the thing that got me into learning still um, makes me curious now of, of that was around using technology to help people learn and 20 years ago the technology was the sort of CD-ROMs or, or <laughs> even, even sort of the laser discs just as I was getting into it, which uh, was seems very old school now. Um, but uh, you know, technology still today, different technologies change, but actually how you use technology for learning still is, is hugely interesting for me. 
Um, but there's there's many other things. One that's particularly keeping me uh, interested at the moment is how do you measure curiosity, um, and not just at an individual level, but at an organization level. So how do you tell if a, if an organization is curious or, or not? So uh, that's one that um, I've been spending some time on, and, and so sort of almost going through that seven C's piece of finding people who can help on that, the community out there who are also wrestling with that and uh, trying some experiments to to try and understand it more. So thank you. Oh, nice. Um, Simon, just actually looking at thinking about the flip side, um, maybe it'll be quite interesting to understand your thoughts on what would you say perhaps are the risks if if an individual or organization decides not to adopt a curious mind? Um, what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think the, the world is now moving so fast and and only getting faster that if you're not curious, it's very hard to navigate in that in that accelerating world um so i mean technology there's there's a a model that um astro teller who leads um uh, google x he's the captain of moonshots at google x and he uses this model to sort of show a, the exponential curve of technology uh, and then the, the rate of adaptability of a human um and now the technology acceleration is is accelerating far faster than our ability as humans to adapt and keep up with it and he suggests that learning learning faster um, is is the answer to that, uh, and if you're not curious, it's going to be very hard to keep up with that pace mm. of change. If you bring a model from three years ago that maybe worked three years ago, um, but you're not curious about changing that and doing it differently, you're going to be bringing out of date ideas. Um, and some of the the data that we share in the in the book. Um, we talk in there around how uh, nearly 20% of the skills that we all have today will be irrelevant in three years' time. Um, and actually, they that, that's Gartner Research, and they've just updated that research, and it's gone from 19% through to 26% now. So now wow. actually over, over a quarter of the skills that we have today are going to be irrelevant in three years' time. And they also talk about new skills that are coming and new to world skills. And we talk about a third of um, people in the last three years have learned a new to world skill. Um, and again, they've just updated the data and it's now nearly half of people have learned a new to world skill in the last three years. So if you're not curious to be learning these new things, you're going to be bringing those expired irrelevant skills from five mm -hmm. years ago and trying to use those while your competition or those around you That's are using right. these these new ideas and yeah suddenly you know how do you compete as an organization um without a date thinking so if you're curious you're constantly experimenting trying new things um and that way wherever things go you you should have an idea of, of how to adapt to it and the pandemic's a perfect example of that no one yeah. really predicted something like that happening it was new for everyone if you were curious to try new things you you were able to adapt faster than uh, it's like okay how would we do this how did we do this before we've not done this before it's there's no no model then to apply Clear. No, I'm, it's super clear. I'm sold. I don't want to be left behind for sure. Um, and, and maybe just, just actually, I'm just, I'm just thinking about an individual perhaps is listening to this that is, that hasn't maybe thought about this, right? And and maybe what could you say to how do you, how do you sort of, it speaks to your model, but how do you sort of foster curiosity? Is it, is it like a muscle that you continue to build? How do you ensure that you get even better at doing it? 
Yeah, so so start small um, because mm. if if you if you start too big, then it gets too hard. Um, so sort of figure out first of all, you know, what it is that you're curious about. It might be learning a new instrument, it might be learning about a new skill or something you want to do, and and then you know who are the people that can help you on that? So that's your community. You know, where can you get more more information about it? You know, what what is it that's actually most important? So if you want to le- learn an instrument, which instrument, and, and what type of music and you know, so ask some people around and go from broad then down to narrow and then get creative and you know actually try it out that put it into action which is the construction bit and it's probably going to be rubbish but then you know learn from which bits uh which bits work you know which bits do people like um that then you know can can build your confidence to then you know, keep at it and and now I'll learn a new piece I'll try something a bit different someone else can help me and, and guide me a bit better um, and that sort of those small small wins of going through you build the confidence to then get get bigger and bigger and before yeah. you know it yeah you, you you're suddenly getting good at what it is that you were curious about. Mm. As, yeah, as Simon, just a question. Um, whenever I think about curiosity, right. I think it's always linked with a desire, a passion to learn something. So yep. when organizations start to see that their employees are not curious, do you find it's because they're realizing that whatever they're working on might be something they're not truly passionate about and they just find themselves rotating and just going through the rhythms? Is that what you saw during your analysis? And then I guess, secondly, when you look at curiosity, is curiosity as simple as let me Google it, or is it? Do you have to get a certain level of expertise? Because a lot of people say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about AI, right?" And I'm going to watch a quick video on AI. <laughs> oh, I'm a curious person, but is there a certain level of expertise you need to get to truly hit that threshold of you're truly a curious, um, curious person? And just yeah. to add some context for that, Simon. The reason why Oli probably wants to ask this is because anytime <laughs> he has this. a question, he says, Google is your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I do tell a lot of people to Google it. Oh, we, yeah. I mean, we, we talk about that in the book, actually. And um, there's a, a podcast with Lisa Bodell as well where we go into that. And, and it, because you've got things like Google, it, it's not so much about the answer, it's about the question. And so she talks about how um, you know, the power in the future is in crafting really good questions um, mm. because you can get the answers you know, so easily actually yeah if you've got a skill of, of crafting what she calls killer questions then uh, you know that that's going to be the skill of the future um more than having the answers so uh, so it may be googling it but it's knowing the question that you need to google to get the the answer that, that you need so uh, i think in terms of you know what maybe are the blockers for people being curious in an organization i mean one of the big ones is just time um that everyone's so busy that actually often it's a conscious effort to actually make the time to be curious or make the time to actually invest in, in your learning. Um, within Novartis, we have that where we encourage people to spend 5% of their time or 100 hours a year learning and, and being curious to try to help create that space. And not always easy still to, to do that, um, but uh, it's that conscious piece to actually get started. First of all, figure out what it is that you're curious about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and actually from a neuroscience perspective, when you are curious, it fires um, the hippocampus in the brain releases dopamine. You get that hit, a, hit that rush from the dopamine, which then actually helps you to uh, you know, continue it on. So there's a there's a neuroscience aspect that where you actually benefit from being curious as well. So uh, Simon, I wanted to kind of peg back a little bit to a comment that you made um, from when you were 
um, a child or when dealing with curious children who are asking why too many times because I think all of us laughed at that comment because I think we were all like those kids who were <laughs> adding a lot of uh, stress for our parents during that time but the, the question that I had was actually firstly I, I'm very curious uh, to, to know <laughs> I didn't even mean to say that <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious to know what were you like actually as an individual because I think the way that we are at a younger age or the influences that we see there can play an influence for us later on. So I'm, I'm uh, I don't want to keep using the yeah. word curious, but I'm, I'm curious to know how you were at the age of four. And then building on that, I had a question where you may not be aware, but Pabilo is the resident father in our group. He has a young child, um, ah. and the, re <laughs> the rest of us, the rest of us, are planning to be uh, fathers. Hopefully, touch wood in the in the future. So the question I have for you is, um, when you see kids who are super curious or maybe testing a parents patients by asking too many questions what can you do to keep that ignited rather than dimming that down yeah so not um, a great question yeah i'm not um reflected back in that way around my childhood but actually if i if i look at some elements of it then um you could say there was a fair bit of curiosity there. When I was at, at sixth form college, um, I jumped around a bit in my subjects and went from doing um, A-level maths to decide I didn't like uh, part of it. And I was more interested in other pieces. So I ended up sort of dropping half of it and doing a, a bunch of new subjects on the side, more sort of technology based. And then I did something at evening classes to learn a, a different topic again. Um, so there was, there's definitely a theme of sort of moving around a bit, I guess, to, to the things that are interesting and, and where the where the passion or, or energy is and being curious. So, um, yeah, I've not reflected back on that, actually. But there is the, a path there of, of following that curiosity. Uh, I think in terms of kids, it, it's um, being conscious of what we're doing around um not encouraging that curiosity but there is a there is also a, a safety element um with children as well so you know some of some of the things where we're stopping them from being curious you know don't put that in your mouth because it's poisonous <laughs> don't touch that because it's it's hot and it will hurt you so there there is and you know as, as a very young child you're just curious about touching everything and and whatever so there is an element there which i, I wouldn't want to say you know let them be curious about absolutely everything um but i think there's probably in, in the knowledge of um encouraging curiosity and all the benefits that it brings probably we can be a bit more uh, tolerant around it and also often certain school curricula are very singular to exams which is is great and serves a purpose but actually exploring around the subject and being curious and going broader and and many parts of the world are now adapting their curriculum to go not just purely uh, learn the things for the exams but actually build the skills to be curious and be able to explore and go deeper in uh, and go where your interests are actually that's potentially you know longer term that curiosity may be, be beneficial to uh, to have built so yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to remember that in a couple of years' time for uh, when, I, when I've got five kids to worry about. So I think we have a couple. We have, we have a few yeah. more, sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to tag in actually. I think Simon, some of the things you said there was was really really great insights because if I if I think back, you, you describe a little bit of your your childhood or sort of your teenage years, and you know the, 
those kind of individuals back then seem to be not sure what they're doing. That's kind of how it's yeah. perceived. But you spoke a little bit around how actually you was kind of following your passion and following your energy. So I think Although whether I, think, I actually knew what I was doing, I'm not sure. Not sure <laughs> I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's important to sort of have an open mind, right, and not necessarily be so close so early because then you could potentially cut off opportunities, yeah. right. So if you was then forced into one lane and said, no, you had to do this. Um, you may not have been able to uh, experience what you've experienced over the last sort of 20, 25 years. So I think that's an interesting uh, perspective to keep in mind. Um, so, yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I mean, there's, there's various things where I could look back and say, you know, I, d I didn't follow that through and, you know, I should have and I, I failed with, you know, I didn't, I went from doing A-level maths to AS maths and, you know, was that a failure of not doing the whole piece or went into accountancy and, mm. you know, stopped halfway through the, the sort of three-year training piece, you know, was that a failure? Actually, all of those things I, I learned from along the way mm. and there's been yeah. positives from those experiences and, and each twist and turn allowed me to do something different where more where my energy was that I was curious about and it, yeah it, looking back I don't think it, it did me any harm um so that's yeah sometimes it, it seems Powerful. reasonable to follow follow where your energy is yeah uh, Simon it'll be remiss of me not to ask this question for the sake of our listeners um we have quite a few uh, young professionals who are either early on in their careers in their careers um, but I'm sure something that they would want to know and definitely something I would want to know as I like to continue to learn and remain curious. But how can, in a working environment, how can you demonstrate curiosity in a positive way? And what example could you give, if any? Yeah. Um... So various ways, I mean, easy ways would be around, you know, asking questions, bringing diverse thought. Um, if you're if you're managing a team or leading a team, then encouraging people in that team to, to feel that it's safe to ask questions, that it's safe to try things. Um, what Amy Edmondson talks about is psychological safety. Of, you know, are you mm -hmm. in creating an environment where someone can come up with the dissenting view if everyone else is saying, think we should go left? You know, is there someone in there who can say, actually, I, I'm not sure I think we should go right. Um, and this is why, uh, or ask questions about it to be curious. Um, I think that's, that's a big part that all of us can do in, in a small way, whether it's asking those questions or whether it's creating that environment. Uh, and then beyond those questions is, you know, are, is it safe for people to actually try things out and try things out and fail? Um, or are there going to be repercussions? So if you can create safety that people don't mind experimenting, taking risks, and they know that you've got their back um, and if it doesn't work, that's OK. You tried something new. If it does work, great. Maybe it partially works and we can learn something from it and pivot and adapt. That then creates a we can all do it, but it creates that environment then that people can be curious. And that's hugely, hugely powerful for organizations. Um, if the opposite of that would be people aren't asking questions, which means you're not getting mm -hmm. to the best outcome because you're not mm -hmm. thinking through all the different options. You're not taking risks and experimenting. So you're sticking to the status quo. You're sticking to playing it safe. So you know, are you going to innovate as much as you are? Are you going to you know, make breakthroughs, new ways of doing things? not unless there's an element of risk taking. And if you're taking risks, some of those risks don't pay off and you fail. So I think you know, all of us can either uh, within a team try and help to create that environment, or certainly if, if you're managing or leading a team, um, look for the safety, encourage people to come up with mm -hmm. diverse thinking, build the team in a diverse way, um, and, and yeah, encourage those discussions. So, um, and yeah, if for examples of that, 
uh, I mean, many, many, but that's certainly um, how I've looked to, to build my team um, now is a diverse team and trying to create the, the culture in which we can all speak um, and challenge each other. And we don't always get it right. There's, there's certainly more we can do and uh, things we can improve on. But um, overall, it seems to serve us in good stead. So, Daniel, in, case, Actually, they are, in yeah. case they're asking that question, Daniel, you can... Uh, link them to the curious curiosity advantage uh, podcast and then or if they're still confused link them to episode 73 of Daniel. just quickly just to tag on that last point that you mentioned maybe if you could share i don't know one or two things that you do with you with your team that sort of creates that um curiosity um that might be quite interesting to know yeah, I mean, we've we've had conversations as a team around how we all want to work together and how um, we we want to be challenging each other. And you know, we we've had we had the conversation around actually maybe we're we're, we're too polite to each other and too much mm. sort of seeking the the harmony that everything's right. Actually, we 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 want a little bit of of uh, alternative views in there to get to better outcomes. And everyone recognizes that actually, if you've got five different views around how something done and you you have an open discussion around that the direction you choose at the end of that is probably going to be far better than going with the first idea that came into the room and everyone saying yeah that's that's the right thing to do particularly as things get more and more complicated and you know, none of us can have all of the answers it's uh, uh, and we're lucky if we don't have a few of the answers in a lot of the complexity that's there today yeah. and if you've got a team who can bounce off each other you're going to get to a far better place so. yeah and um, Simon, I was listening to the podcast um, last week, and there was a good conversation you that you guys had around um, what is stopping people from being curious, right? And you came up with a term, or I think the the person talking came up with a term called fate. I'm not sure if you remember that, yes, like what yes. that means. Can you talk a little bit more about Ooh. that? And yeah, you know, put me on fear, fear, attitude, technology, and environment. I think off the top of my head, it was Dr. Diane Hamilton. Um, Correct. Yes, um, the Curiosity Code was the book that she she wrote. Um, so yeah, I mean, she has she has a um, a great model that you can do at an individual level to come up with the the things that are stopping you from being curious. And yeah, whether that's your own fear, whether that's things that you know, technology that are barriers there, whether that's the environment around you, whether that's uh, yeah your own attitude. I hope I've done justice to what the, the four no, you did. are. You did. <laughs> you did. And out of those, what what would you say? Because I think you mentioned before about fear I like for, yep. personally for me i i say look the times i haven't been so curious it was the biggest barrier for me was fear right yep. you don't want to even though they say you want to be the dumbest person in the room whatever let's be honest you don't want to <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so for me but is that your uh, perspective as well that you think fear is the greatest barrier that people face or is there something else that they face uh, it's, I think it's definitely one of the the main ones, um, and it comes back then to the, the culture as well. Within, you know, particularly if we're talking about within organisations, you know, uh, is there the support and the encouragement to be able to speak up um, and and offer an alternative view? If there isn't, then that fear is going to be far far greater. Um, and within the book, we talk about an, an example within Novartis around. Um, 
the role of the manager and the difference between a, um, a manager perceived as favourable by the team and a manager perceived as unfavourable. And there's a, a huge difference in the engagement of the team, as, as one would expect between a sort of a favourable manager and an unfavourable manager. But the biggest impact is in curiosity. That If you've got a, a manager deemed unfavourable, then there's a 22 point difference in, uh, in, in curiosity in those teams. Um, and a big part of that will be fear, because if I ask a question and I get jumped on. I'm no longer going to ask questions again. If I try something and I know if this goes wrong, I might get fired. There's always going to be that fear then of, you know, I need to play it safe. I don't want to try this. I need to just get you know, the, the safest result. Um, so, yeah, fear fear would be the barrier to asking things, to to trying things, to, to yeah, pushing boundaries, to innovating. Um, and as an organization, that's that's in most instances, that isn't going to be what you want. You want people to, uh, who are pushing boundaries and being innovative and trying new things. So, so Simon, I think mm. we're, we're uh, soon approaching our quick fire round. But just one one last question from from my side. It was I think you've been a trailblazer around the whole curiosity topic. I think we, we've seen that within uh, Novartis and, of course, broader with the with the book and the podcast. And it seems, especially in the last year, lots of other large companies are also going down this. We also see online trainings, et cetera, exploding, lots of being, lots of services being offered. So where do you see this kind of curiosity developing in five to 10 years? What does the vision look like when people think curiosity? And is there, are there any areas that are still untapped or yeah, open I've, for growth? I think in 10 years, I think everyone will have a copy of The Curious Advantage on their bookshelf. <laughs> It'll be well-thumbed as everyone else needs to it. <laughs> I'd like to think. Um, no, I think, I think it's, it's actually a pretty uh, new area in terms of research and thinking, I think, which, which is strange because uh, I mean, it's obviously been around for ever, ever since humans existed that we've had curiosity. But I mean, go back to a couple of years ago, I remember before we started writing the book, I remember talking to some of the, the leaders in the, the learning industry and sort of saying, thinking about doing this in, in curiosity. It's like, oh, interesting. And not really thought of that as a as an area to cover. So um, I think it, the last couple of years, it's this we've seen a lot more interest in curiosity going you know, beyond learning into into wider curiosity. Um, I think the research is still happening around, particularly from a, uh, an organization perspective of the value of curiosity. I and mean, we're, we're looking at it within Novartis, but a couple of our upcoming podcasts are with um, academics from leading global universities. Uh, I'll keep you in suspense as to who they are, um, <laughs> but they, they uh, share their research around you know, the business impact of curiosity and things. And, and a lot of that research is, is very recent or still ongoing. Um, so I think it is, is an emerging area. Um, I would like to think in five, 10 years that there's a much greater appreciation um, as to the value that curiosity can bring, many more organizations focusing on it because it, it's great for people as well as for um, for the organizations themselves. There's a lot of research linking, um, particularly through the pandemic, in fact, that people who are more curious have had a higher resilience and so forth as, as a result of it in how we look at uh, challenges. Um, so yeah, I think a much greater acceptance of the the value of curiosity. And, and thanks, okay. Simon. I just I did receive my invite in the post um, this morning. Thanks, <laughs> 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 uh, 
Well, no, I mean, Simon, thank you so much. So I think for, for us to, to close out the, the episode, we have a, a segment, which is a quick fire five question uh, round. And we will be asking oh, okay. these questions to uh, all our guests moving forward. So you're, you're, you have the pressure to set the bar for the future, ooh, uh, ooh, future guests we have on. So um, they are quick fire rounds. Uh, the quicker the answer, the better, but it's up to you if you want to elaborate a bit more. So first question is, uh, Simon, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Um, if you can't say something nice about someone, don't say something at all. And that, so and that sounds like it should be good advice, but it's given me a real challenge in giving constructive feedback to people ever, ever since I was talking. Okay, I mean, that was unexpected, but I think it's definitely, definitely, definitely one that would be, uh, would, would be memorable. So the, the second question, Simon, what is the best piece of advice you've received? I think it was um, sooner after I started working with a um, big consulting firm and uh, asked for some advice around uh, what I should do. And the, the, the advice I got was don't take life too seriously. And I think that's uh, a, a very good uh, advice to, uh, to take to heart. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, another day and everything looks different. So, yeah, just don't take yeah. it all too seriously. Perfect. Enjoy the moment while we can. Exactly. Um, so the, the third question for you, Simon, um, what is a piece of content that you're loving at the moment? Of course, of course, number one will be the, the book, um, <laughs> but any other content, it can be a book, it can be digital media, um, whatever. You, so at the moment, um, Think Again by Adam Grant is the one mm -hmm. I'm working through. I'm about a quarter of the way into that at the moment. Um, came out a couple of weeks ago. So uh, yeah, I'm very much enjoying that. And there's a lot of references to curiosity in there, which is probably why I'm enjoying it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we know who he stole the idea from. So we'll try and have a word with him next time. Um, so the penultimate question, Simon. So something that you are curious to learn more about at the moment. I think the, the one at the moment is, yeah, how, how do you measure curiosity? How do you figure out whether an organization is curious? What are the what are the metrics? What are the questions you can ask? Um, that's one, yeah, last month or two been uh, been wrestling with that one. And uh, so last but not least, uh, what does take flight mean to you? So I think take flight, I think take flight and spread your wings. Um, and so I sort of think of that as, as um, you know, taking every opportunity, you know, live life to the fullest, um, sort of yeah, soaring and, and achieving great things. Uh, that's Love what it. comes to mind. Fantastic. That's Fantastic. Definitely. We'll nick a few Thanks. of those with a slogan. Copyright on those, yeah. <laughs> can update our buyer. Yeah, might need to translate that to some uh, merchandise ideas later in the year. <laughs> but, no, Simon, but, but Simon, thank you so much for your yes. for your time. I think uh, I, I don't know if there's any quick comments from the rest of the guys. No, again, no, just, no, just no. echo what uh, Shua said. Thank you so much for your time. I think you provided some great insights that um, I've taken a number of notes um, and it's really going to be a great piece for us to sort of listen over um, and see how we can continue to build that muscle of curiosity. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, thanks for being the uh, for me being the first guest. It's a real honour. So thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> That's a pleasure. That's a pleasure. Thank you very much, thank Simon. You. No, echoing what they said as well. Um, the last, last question that everyone has been waiting for, every <laughs> single person that has been listening to the, this episode so far is, 
did curiosity kill the cat? (laughs) (laughs) You need to read the book to find out. (laughs) The answer's in the book. The answer's in the book. But no, thank you very much. Um, Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to this great and first episode of Take Flight Talks with the wonderful Simon Brown. Um, We hope you've remained curious and you've kept yourself listening to the end of this episode. It's definitely one that we're going to listen back and take copious notes on. I think there's something for all to learn here, whether it's in your professional life or your personal life. So thank you again, Simon. Um, For all those listening, you can find us on Instagram at Take Flight Podcast. If you've got any feedback for us, you can also find us on email at takeflightpodcast.gmail.com. But last but not least, we have something for you, our listeners. We have a competition. So we will be giving away two copies of Curiosity Advantage, the book that Simon has authored. Um, we will be posting some more details on our te- on our Instagram page about the rules and how we are going to conduct the competition. But by all means, first of all, please follow us, stay tuned to our stories and posts, and there will be two books up for grabs, which you can see right now <laughs> Curious Advantage. <laughs> so... Once again, thank you all. Thank you to our listeners. We hope you stay well, stay safe, and God bless. Great stuff. Take off, take flight with you. Yeah. Before we never fly away.